0: Today, I've entitled today's message, Peace. Makers, peacemakers. We are going to look uh, to God's word for some handles around how do we handle biblical, uh, how how do we handle conflict from a biblical perspective. In fact, God's word actually calls us ambassadors of reconciliation. Um, And we are going to look at making what kind of decisions do we have to make if we are going to live a life where we are being called ambassadors of reconciliation and peacemakers in our life. In fact, We all know that conflict is inevitable, Um, whether you're a spouse or parents and children or colleagues or neighbors or friends or even, yes, your church community, because it's only a matter of time before you rub shoulders with somebody the wrong way. And we have choices that we get to make in all of life. And so this is something that impacts us all. In fact, today, we're going to be talking about kind of day-to-day challenges, kind of conflict. We are not talking about any kind of abuse or things that could be more serious in. nature but this is genuinely, um, it's a serious topic because it affects our souls. In fact, the challenge with most of us is that we were never taught how to do it Um, until, you know, unless you were a business major and you took a conflict uh, resolution class or negotiation class or you were a psychology major in college, most of us do not learn skills in our homes and in our education system on how to really resolve conflict in a healthy way. And so oftentimes we're left to ourselves to figure that out when we've done the wrong way. Is it just me? I'm the only one that has done it the wrong way. If you are with me and you have done conflict the wrong way, let me hear you. <laughs> All right, just make sure I know who I'm talking to you. Um, Proverbs 17:14, in the wise w- words of King Solomon, he says, starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So drop the matter before a dispute even breaks out. In fact, I did not have a clue how to do this when Jeremy and I got married. In fact, we were on our honeymoon, right? I've built this this amazing um, picture in my head about how fun this is going to be, and we literally fought over how we are going to spend recreation time. So he wants to chill and read books, and I want to go conquer something. Let's go have adventures. And so this caused our first disagreement. And I literally thought to myself, what have I done? What have I done? We are not going to make it. I should go pack my bags. Like we are never going to be able to do this. And it didn't take about maybe three, four arguments post-honeymoon where Jeremy and I realized, like, we are not on the same page, and we really need to get on the same page. In fact, Jeremy had a probably a more realistic framework for what healthy marriage is. Everybody, everybody fights, right? Everybody has a disagreement. For me, I thought, no, healthy marriages, like, they never fight, right? And all the married people, you can laugh a little louder. Like, (laughs) no, you're in each other's space, you know, and you're not used to that. And so there is going to be some natural conflict and friction. And this was the place on our post honeymoon one week that we were like, we got some work to do. We are going to have to learn to number one, fight fair. And then number two, we're going to have to get okay with agree, like agree to disagree. There are some things that you're never going to see eye to eye on, but that does not ever give us the right to be disrespectful of the dignity of human beings and, might I add, sons and daughters of God who reflect the image of God. When you begin to look at things that way, it begins to challenge how we talk about people, how we speak to people, and what we think about people. Because here's the truth. Even on our worst day, God saw what he meant and what he intended on the inside of us. And he called it forth. And God, we're going to learn what God intended for relationships. And the fact that he chooses us to reflect his glory in the earth is a miracle. Can I get an amen? It's a miracle. Romans 12, 18 says, If it is possible... If it is possible, underline, <laughs> as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Everyone. Look at your neighbor and say, everyone. Everyone. I know. I know it's going to be a fun one. Saddle up. The word peace in the Greek is actually translated as an active verb that means to work, to reconcile. The word reconcile here means to settle, to resolve to cause to submit or accept something unpleasant in order that you would restore harmony. We call this, in adulting, a compromise, right? It's where the reality is that we are never going to get it our way all the time. And so it's going to require a little bit of bending. We cannot be so rigid if we expect to have friends, hello, if you, want to have, if you want to have relationships or you want people in the office to want to be around you, we are going to have to learn, we got to compromise a little bit, right? In order that we would have relationship with one another. In fact, if we're going to be peacemakers and we're going to handle relational conflict God's way, then we are going to have to make some decisions today. And I want to lay out three specific choices that we're going to have to make. But before you do, let's pray. Father, we love you. We honor you. We are still stand so amazed that you decide to use us, fallible humanity, God, to be able to reflect your glory in the earth, God. And it makes you so proud. And so, Father, I ask you, Jesus, would you help all of us in our relationships that we would continue to be a reflection of your glory in the earth, that that would matter most to us, Father, beyond our own opinions and rights. God, we thank you. We thank you that you are with us and you help us to do hard things in Jesus' name, amen. We are gonna start in a foundational text in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 through 21. You can read on the screens. For Christ, love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. Underline that. But for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come and the old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And he gave us this ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal underline this through Us, through you and me, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now, Paul is speaking to the Gentiles in the Corinthian church. And if you know anything about the Corinthian church, they were not yet sanctified, nor are we. We're a work in progress. And he's addressing them to say, hey, guys, your current way, worldly ways of dealing with stuff is not God's way. So I'm going to need you to remember that you're a new person. You are the, put the new man on, the new woman on, which is going to require a new operating system. We're going to have to upgrade our operating system if we are going to live in all that God has called us to live in. In fact, managing conflict matters because we represent Christ to the world, In fact, he has chosen, we see scripturally, he's chosen to make his appeal through us. That is a weighty calling. He's called us as ministers of reconciliation, not perfect ones, but God is calling us higher, church. I hope you hear this today. He's calling me, he's calling your pastors higher. He's calling us to do this. If we are gonna be peacemakers, we're gonna have to make the decision. Here's choice number one for all my note takers courageously confront conflict. Now, firstly, if we are going to courageously confront conflict, we are going to have to do two really important things before we do that. Number one, we are going to have to manage our own emotions. Can I get an amen? Amen. Now, that is work. Hence why peacemaking says it's a work. It's work in order to do that because I don't know about you, but sometimes my emotions can get the best of me. I know that's none of you but this is work it's internal work first it's also really important that we search our hearts we can do the right things and our hearts can be far from god we can do the right things with each other we can come to church we can check in we can go to small group meanwhile there's stuff going on on the inside of our hearts if we're honest and God is saying, hey, 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 these things matter. It matters a lot that we would, number one, choose, hey, take the responsibility. It's our job to manage our own emotions. And number two, it is also our job to really allow God to show us what's in our hearts. This is the place before we can ever confront conflict, we have to make sure that we're compelled by love. Scripture tells us this, we have to be compelled by love because we understand We understand that we have been loved by God. We have been forgiven. God, he saw something in us at our worst. Therefore, he's calling us to put on new lenses in order to see the same in others. What he is not saying is that we we, we do not have permission to approach conflict from a motive to validate our own righteousness. I am right. Therefore, I can justify my attitude. That's none of you, I know. Just me. I've been there. Or our tone can be really sharp. And we may be saying the right thing, but cutting people up. And it does no good. Our here's the other check we have to say. Is it, do I think that it is my job to bring justice for the wrong and play judge in this person's life? This kind of attitude is not what Paul is talking about because it will not bring anyone close to God. In fact, it may repel them. So it's really important that we get this right. Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use will be measured to you. Ouch. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own Jesus help us? (laughs) Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? Lord, forgive us. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye, but do it compelled by love. Compelled by love, it makes a difference. Has anyone ever addressed something with you and it might have been right, but it hurt you even more? Come on, this is not what Paul is talking about. In fact, there's a little phrase called, it's important to check yourself before you wreck yourself. (laughs) And we got to tell ourselves that. I got to check myself before I wreck myself. Or my relationships. Or worse, let's take, let's take it up a, a, a just one more notch. Is it worth marring the image of God that is supposed to be displayed through us to another person to justify that we are right? Is it worth it? Come on, Tiffany. <laughs> is it worth it? I almost wanted to sing. Nope, not going to go there not going to go there. We also must choose to overlook offenses. In fact, offense is an event, but being offended is a decision. Come on. If you are living and breathing, you will be offended. In fact, many of you are probably offended coming in here this morning. Someone cut you off on the beltway. Somebody did push the elevator button before you could get in. Come on, we live in a culture that's so easily offended. We have to be mindful that these offended offended moments don't push us into a place that we are living offended. It's dangerous. You see, peacekeeping isn't the same as peacemaking. Because peacemaking is intentional. I am intentional about I want to do what's right by God and by you no matter if that means that I need to swallow my pride and face up with my own issues. Because I have, it's very rare that I've heard a story where truly it was 100% the other person's fault in a conflict. I mean, even if it's like 1%, it's still 1%. I was 1%. You were wrong, yeah, but you just cut them, you cut that person with your tone or the way that you responded or worse, God sees what's in your heart. In my heart, this stuff matters to God. It's not just what's on the outside. It's what's on the inside. Tell me, know wherever you go, there he is. Come on. Peacemaking, or peacekeeping rather, is an active work to like stop or avoid conflict at all cost. The problem with this is oftentimes we live with harbor defense if we don't address issues. And if we do that, it becomes like a cancer to our soul. And we don't even realize it until all of a sudden you begin to realize man, I don't, I don't, no, I don't, nobody knows me. I don't have any friends. <laughs> because you, you've not even taken the mask off enough with yourself to see what's going on in order to even allow someone to speak in to those places of our lives. In fact, Matthew 5 9 calls us higher. It says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. This, this word, blessed is makarios, it means, it means happy. And I don't mean like, man, I feel happy. I mean like, like happy at peace. It means the good life. It doesn't mean everything's going well, but man, I'm at peace in my soul. I'm at peace in my soul with God and with others as best, is, as best that I can be responsible. And we'll get to that in just a minute. In some cases, we don't even know that we've offended someone, but here's what I know. The moment you find out, it's it's now our responsibility to do something about it. In fact, there have been many times, and I know you cannot imagine this, but there have been many times where I'm upset with Jeremy. I'm upset with my husband. Any wives in the room honest? And... You're like, well, you said that you would take out the trash today, but it's like been five days and now we have flies. That never happens in our home. But if it did (laughs) offense. And you don't say anything. Maybe you just do it. And then you're really mad. Right? Now I'm really harboring it. And I don't say a word. But how many know you don't have to say a word for someone to know that you're mad? It's the moments where you tense up when they give you a hug. Or, hey, I notice you seem a little off. Are you okay? I'm fine. <laughs> Tired. <laughs> right? Never happens. And you're, it never happens. What if, it, not, you're not even a spouse. What if it's a roommate? Your roommate said that they would do half of their part, right? You're splitting this place. And they are lacking on their responsibilities, right? And you are now in the place of righteous judge to tell them about it. But you hadn't said a word. You're just like slamming doors and slamming cabinets, right? People know when you're upset. <laughs> and so these are the moments, even with Jeremy, where I've had to go to my husband and say, hey, like, I'm really sorry. Um, like, when you did this, he's like, "Ah, oh, I had no idea. Now, garbage is one thing, but that's another whole another matter. Different message. But like, I didn't even know. I'm so sorry, and there's always in a relationship one who is, who's quicker to kind of forgive and forget. There, it's always that way. And Jeremy tends to be the person who apologizes first. And God's got to do a little more work on my heart <laughs> so I can get there. And we get there. We do get there. Because why? Because there's a purpose for the relationship. There's a purpose. I know my why. Because my why and your why is, hey, I want to glorify you behind closed doors In public, everything I do is your, everything about my life is yours, King Jesus. That's what it means for a king to sit on the throne of your life. There is nothing off limits. Therefore, I lay down my right to be offended. Matthew 18, 15 through 17 gives us a framework on how to deal with this. If a fellow believer hurts you, go and tell him, work it out between the two of you. If he listens, you've made a friend. If he won't listen, take one or two others along so that the presence of witnesses will keep things honest and try again. And may I add, that is wisdom and should be a select person to come along, not everyone. If he still won't listen, tell the church, this is not the, chur- the whole church, it's the leadership that is responsible if he won't listen to the church, you'll have to start over from scratch, confront him in the need for repentance, and offer again God's forgiving love. Offer for God's forgiving love. In order for us to offer God's forgiving love, we have to be reminded that we need it too. And those that love much and have been forgiven much tend to forgive much when we realize how much God has forgiven us. In other words, it is our job to run to the roar, run, run to the fire. (laughs) Once we've cooled off, (laughs) manage those emotions, we have to seek to understand before wanting to be understood. We have to humble ourselves enough to learn and to take ownership of the part that we played in the argument. In fact, I break up fights on a daily basis with my children, let me be clear. It's normal, unfortunately, but we're learning. We're learning. And occasionally, or every day, we have a lot of high emotions. And, you know, one will get higher than the other, and it just is getting explosive. And so I have been on mission lately. God's been putting his finger on this. And I said, okay, we're going to learn. We, I've got to figure out a way to help my kids understand this. And so one of the things that I've been saying a lot is a conflict is like a fire, whatever it is. It doesn't matter who started it, whatever. We all have a responsible parties. We come to this. And so so kids, <laughs> aka adults, we need it too. We can either bring a gasoline can and be like, let's see how much we can burn, baby. Right? Or we can bring a jug of water and we can Pour that on and, and not negate or peace keep, meaning I'm, not, I'm just going to bow out. We're not going to get to resolution. No, we're going to pour water, but we're going to control and manage our emotions in a way so we can, we can get through and find a path forward, right? Now, it's really hard to do if you're hot, okay? So I had this particular situation in which a child needed to go to their room to cool off before we could ever even go there. And once that person... My child cooled off. They came back, and I quote, I'm sorry, Mommy, I just wasn't thinking. And to which I replied, correct, well done. Because none of us, not even Mommy, can think when we're hot. In fact, medical research proves that when our emotions are high, that, <laughs> that frontal, um, prefrontal cortex of our brain, it literally is like a light switch. It switches off. We are unable to reason and be logical and find a solution in that state because our amygdala is fired off and we are like fight or flight, right? We're either going to run and peace keep, even though we're angry and we're not going to resolve the issue, or we are going to put the dukes up, right? We are going to fight this thing out, which damages the relationship. So as adults, we had the same choice to make. And I might add, that's why I started with manage your emotions. Sometimes the right decision is saying, hey, I'm really mad right now, and I need some time to process. But here's the thing, One of the challenges we had even early on in our relationship was that sometimes there would never be a, we're coming back to it. So it would just start the the cycle over and I would get frustrated again and again and again, right? Because there has to be a time and a place where you agree, we're going to come back to this and we're going to solve it, but we're not going to do it right now, right in this moment because I'm too hot. Right, And I need the cortisol and the adrenaline that comes with all those amazing, strong emotions. We've all seen the the Emoji movie, right? If you didn't know about all your emotions, watch that movie. Got a lot of them. And so we got to calm down so that we can switch over right into our logical reasoning brain and be able to find a path forward. Why? Because it matters. Because God's making his appeal through us as his Christ ambassadors. So we laid down the right to continue to be offended and to just harbor unforgiveness because we will never have the beauty and the peace and the enjoyment of relationships like that. We'll never be quote unquote happy, that blessed, that macarius. Now happy is not again that feeling, but it's saying, hey, I'm at peace. I'm at peace with myself. I'm at peace with you. We're at peace as best as we can. In fact, Dr. Henry Cloud says the difference between responding and reacting is choice. It is our choice. It is our choice to accept Christ and put him on the throne of our life. It is also our choice to obey him in what he says to do. It is also our choice to walk this thing out and have peace in our life. Are you with me, church? Getting quiet up in here. Our challenge, and this is for myself included, Do you have an unresolved conflict in your life that has caused you some offense? Is there someone by way of the Holy Spirit that he has dropped in your heart today that you need to make it a point to manage those emotions, do some heart reflection, and begin to move towards that conflict? Are you angry with someone? And they have no idea. Could it be? That it's time for you to make the, most, the first move. Choice number two. Humble yourself and apologize. After you've done the hard work of managing yourself, it's now mission critical to acknowledge your part. Even if it was 1% in the 99% that was their fault. <laughs> it's still our responsibility to acknowledge it. And it's, by the way, never 99 and 1%. Typically, there's a lot more there that we are responsible for. In fact, Dr. Mark Batterson, National Community Pastor and author, uh, he's got a new book out, and um, he says, Please, sorry, and thanks are the foundation for any healthy relationship and the greatest predictor of success in life, in love, and in leadership. Such a simple thought, but it's so true. It's foundational to our relationships. For some of you, Maybe you need to humbly apologize for the attitude that you left work with on Friday. You were like, I'm going to hang up that Zoom. Boom. <laughs> I'm done with you. Or maybe you just were so, you, you, had, you had such a sharp tone with everyone. No one, everyone was like, whoa, whoa, what is going on? That's yours to own, Right? We have to take responsibility for these. Or perhaps maybe you made some passive-aggressive remarks to your spouse or your roommate because they did not, they did not live up to your standard of expectation. There's some work to do in our hearts. It's not our job to be righteous judge. It is our job to take responsibility for that attitude and to humble ourselves and apologize Maybe you need to apologize to someone for being offended in your heart at them and lots of time has passed, but you've never let it go. People say that time heals all things. No, it doesn't. It helps, but I've talked to many people, 10, 20, 30 years of harboring offense, and perhaps all of that could have been avoided with a simple apology and taking the first step and making the first move. Matthew 5, 23 and 24 says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and you remember that your brother or your sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. This is really important to God. So much so that it's hard to authentically worship God with all that you are when you know that there is tension in your relationships. So he's saying, hey, it's so important that before you worship me with your lips, with your, you know, with your giving, with your, uh, with your life, with your work, with everything that you do, with your service, I need you to do what's right. I need you to take this step. Go make things right in humility. Humility does also does not keep score. <laughs> now I know I don't have any scorekeepers in the room. Never. But me, eh, I'm a missionary I've had to work on in the scorekeeping department. Um, And we have to call it what it is. Because what it does is it opens up a door, a trap, a foothold for the enemy to come in. And he is going to put a wedge between you and that person. In fact, if you're like, I don't really know if that's me. Well, have you ever had a conversation and you're like, "Hey, like you've done this 5 times. You did it in 2017, and then you did it in 2018, and then you did it twice in 2020. Like, we are, this is the same issue over and over and over and over, right? You may be keeping score. <laughs> because the person is like, "Whoa, I thought you forgave me." And you're like, "Well, I did, but not really. I'm holding you accountable." <laughs> right? Here's the reality. In all seriousness, you got to put some boundaries up with some people. Because you don't need to keep putting yourself in the same position to be offended over and over and over again. That's wisdom. Right. However, it is also not okay to keep a scorecard from the last 10 years of how they did you wrong. Come on, it's robbing life. It's robbing the good life from you. 1 Corinthians 13.5 says, it is, um, Love is, this is what love is. In fact, it's very clear. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrong. Come on, myself included, we have a lot of work to do in this love department. It's not so easy. It's not so easy. We have to really put on the love of Christ we have to, so that we can be compelled by love, genuinely from our hearts to confront it in a way that moves us forward towards the things that God has for us. So what is your mission and purpose for the relationships in your life? Do you have one? Is your mission to be right? Is your mission to be the judge and keeper of all things in your relationship? Or are you willing to lay down your rights in order to be a willing vessel who God can flow through? to make peace, and so that you can make an appeal, that God can make an appeal through you to the people in your life, because they're like, man, I didn't deserve that kind of grace. Neither did I. Neither did I. As a mom, and again, I'm sorry for all the mom, this is my season, this is my season. As a mom, I'm doing lots of coaching around apologies. Now, it is completely possible. Has anybody ever been apologized to, but you're like, that didn't feel good? That didn't feel real. So all the time, I'm constantly working on, hey, let's apologize from our hearts. Ugh, just to get what I want. They, they, just to get what they want, they'll be like, uh, I'm sorry. Ugh, I'm so sorry. You know, now can I have the ice cream? Right? Oftentimes, we can be like that with God. We're like, I said I'm sorry already. He's like, mm, is it real yet? There might be something still there that we need to do some digging, right? We can be like that with God. And the reality is we need to come humbly, lay it out before him. God, I'm so sorry. This is not my heart. This is not how I want. Go you help me? This is hard work. Apologizing is hard work. Is there someone in your life you need to humbly apologize to? It could be the person sitting next to you. It could be the person at your workplace, It could be your spouse, your sister, your brother, strange relationships, and God's pricking your heart to make the next move. And you're like, "Nah, I am not doing that. We have to humble ourselves before the Lord so that he can work through us, church. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 11. He says, I know this is going to be difficult, but let me give you some peace. Because the world says, hey, You, you don't owe anybody anything. No? 2 Corinthians, I don't, but I choose to. I choose to willingly lay down my need to be right in this situation to make peace for the sake of the kingdom of God. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 11, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. This is why for Christ's sake, I delight in my weakness and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, he is strong. For when we are weak, when we're like, I can't do that that you're asking me to do, God. Yes, you can. With God's strength, he promises us that. And that, church, is our superpower. Come on, it's the Holy Spirit's power. He's a comforter living in us that allows us to do hard things and get freedom. Ask God for help this week and apologize. Choice number three, are you ready for it? Forgive others as Christ has forgiven you. Once we've done the hard work, we've decided I'm going to courageously go after this. I'm already going to put on. I'm going to clothe myself in humility, and I'm going to search my own heart before approaching this. And then it's my job to forgive others as Christ has forgiven us. We lay down the right to be offended when we say, yes, God, I want to follow you. He's like, hey, I've paid for all the offense. It doesn't mean you won't be offend, offended. You won't, you won't have an offensive event, but I have asked you not to live offended. I have, I've called you higher than this. Proverbs 6, 2, all a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Church, take a moment this week. God, would you search my heart? King David prayed that. God, search my heart. Is there any wicked way about me? You have full permission. Give me courage to make the right choices. Give me courage. Cover me with your peace, with your grace. He he is waiting for us to ask for help. He's waiting. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison, thinking it's gonna hurt the other person. And we're the ones that get hurt in the process of holding on and harboring. It's cancer. It's cancerous to the soul. In fact, Matthew 22, 37 through 40, the two greatest commandments God gives us, they seem so simple and yet they are complex because we make it that way. <laughs> He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second, like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Now here's the challenge. Oftentimes it's hard to love others because sometimes we don't love ourselves. And it starts with forgiving yourself. Your sins are under the blood of Jesus, and it was costly that Jesus laid down his life so that forgiveness is possible. You've got to forgive. You have to accept that forgiveness. It counts. It matters. There is nothing that you have done that is too far of, out of reach from the grace of God. Nothing. So part of it is forgiving ourselves and putting the new man on, the new woman on, the new thinking process, updating our operating system, so that it's even possible to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength, then we can love others. When we try to get this all out of order, it's really hard to walk out. It's really hard. In fact, it's so important that we do these two things. 1 John 4.20 says, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar, for whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. It matters. It matters. It does not mean you need to be buddy-buddy. It does not mean you forgive them and you know, you're hanging out at the gym. It does not mean that you need, to, um, you need to cross boundaries that are unsafe. It means none of that. It just means you are responsible for forgiving them from your heart and doing your part to let them know. That's it, and you're released. Now, reconciliation is a two-way street. So what happens if they don't receive that? It's no longer on you. You have been released. You have biblically walked out your steps, and you now begin to get to pray for them. It's really hard to stay angry with people we pray for. (laughs) Try it. You don't believe me. (laughs) Try it this week. It's our job then to release them to the Lord. We've done our part. We've cleared our conscience. We've done what God said, and we pray. And that is our job. In fact, Ephesians 4:26 and 27 reminds us that anger is indeed an emotion that is natural. When things, when people wrong us or, you know, there's conflict, it's natural to be angry. The challenge with that is you can't forgive people if anger's in your heart. And anger in anger of itself is not a bad emotion, but if it is not submitted to the lordship of Christ, it's a trap for sin. Ephesians 4:26-27. In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Don't give him a foothold. The enemy wants nothing more than for you to harbor unforgiveness. Why? Because he Wants to come to steal, kill, and destroy your life. And if relationship is the doorway, so be it. He stops at nothing because you reflect the image of Christ. That in and of itself puts you as a target for his schemes. But we cannot, we can't willingly give him a strategic advantage to wreak havoc on our lives by harboring unforgiveness. We have to do the hard work to be peacemakers, church. Maybe you've experienced this several nights in a row. You've gone to bed angry. You didn't deal with that, or you didn't even try to deal with something, and you woke up, and you were just kind of angry. You're like, oh, you're an angry elf. What happened? What happened? Right? I've done it to myself. What, what is your problem? Search <laughs> my heart. Search my heart. What's going on? We have to get curious with those things. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. In fact, um, my son Judah is into like WWE wrestling. And so he, I don't understand it, but he and Jeremy had this, this bond over it. And, um, and I began to think to myself, like, you know, it's so important if we're going to, if we're going to do this God's way, oftentimes the wrestling match is kind of like putting the belt of truth on. It's like, put, imagine this, like, they're really, they're a little obnoxious, to be honest. Those big old belts, you've seen them. They're like the WWE, put them on and we have to put on the belt of truth. You have to put it on so that you can wrestle with your own emotions, your own stuff, your own issues, so that you can win the match, right? Wrestling, they already know who the winner is. And if we do it God's way, he's like, hey, I already, I'm gonna, you're going to be released of this. It does not promise you that The other person isn't going to get beat up a little bit, right? Or you're going to get beat up a little bit. But the reality is like, he's like, hey, hey, we already know who wins if you do this my way. But oftentimes, all that drama in between, I don't understand it. I'm like, you know you're going to win. So why you got to like, you know, it's just like, ugh, they're just so dramatic. That's, I guess that's the entertainment of it all. I don't understand it. But all the drama, honestly, can be like, we don't have to have all the drama. But we're the ones Who are like, we're in this wrestling match and we're unwilling to do it God's way. So we're getting beat up inside all the time and we're getting bruised when He's like, hey, I have a better way. I know how this match will end if you'll just do it my way. Do it my way. Ephesians 4.31, this is what he means. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along from every form of malice. Be kind and be compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ forgave you. Christ forgave us, church. So the next time that you think someone is unworthy of your forgiveness, I want you to remember what Christ did for you. It it does something, it messes me up. And here's why. Because church, I believe we're in a time and in a season in the world where the sons and the daughters of God are, they have to be revealed. The whole earth is groaning for its creator. And God chose us to make his appeal through you and I. I implore you, myself included, may our pride be laid down so that we can step into this epic story, this love story of God being reconciled to mankind and be his representatives on earth. This is his heart for you and I. Peacemaking is courageous business. I leave you with Hebrews 12, 14, and 15. If it helps you, write it on your mirror. Plaster it on your refrigerator. Put it on your your desk, your screen at work. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see God. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Who do you need to forgive today? Maybe it's yourself. You need to forgive yourself. God is not holding anything over your head. That's not his heart. That's not what he died for. Is there somebody else? You are, or you're, you're stepping into the role of righteous judge. And you need to forgive. Come on, don't delay. Make a first move. We have to make this move together. As I close, I am confident the Holy Spirit is speaking. Because every time we open our word, he tells us that. He reads us. And so in just a minute, I think this is just a holy moment because repentance is turning from the way I was doing it and going the other direction, right? It's like, I'm going to go the other direction. And I don't want to miss this moment because all of us probably have a moment, have somebody in our life or maybe something that's gone unchecked in our hearts. I just want to take a moment, every eye closed and, and head bowed out of reverence to make this a sanctuary between you and Jesus. I want you to take a moment, and if, if this word spoke to you today, and you're like, yeah, that's me. That's me. I want to pray over you, and I want you to go ahead and release that thing right now. Release that person to Jesus, or ask him, search my heart and know me. Father, I ask you, in Jesus' name, God, that you would speak. God, that your, that your voice would be the most important voice that we hear, and we would be courageous and bold enough to follow you. God, to do hard things well. God, we ask you in Jesus' name, Lord, that that you would give them strength, give them courage, give them power by your Holy Spirit to do the right thing, to be an ambassador of reconciliation in their life and in their relationships. And we ask all these things in your name.